Welcome to Faith Church Online. Thank you so much for checking us out. Our prayer is that you are blessed by this message. It is uh, great to be in church. Uh, I love the local church. Been laboring in that way since 1981. But uh, it's even better when you get to come to church and you feel like family. Amen. Thank you for your hospitality. Thank you for your your gracious service to us. The food has been wonderful, and the friendships have been really, really great. But I, I do owe it to the guys that came along, so I'd really like to introduce them individually. For uh, their sacrifice, as was mentioned, five of them are licensed contractors. So when Mike came over, I think it was March, maybe, was it? Earlier than that. November. November. Okay, before. And uh, he was talking, I just, at the close of that message, just threw that out, thinking that, well, maybe we'll get a group of guys together, and we'll come over, and we'll just help give a push to the building, and uh, there was 12 guys, and seven made it, which is really good, <laughs> because it's not just about the expense of coming, but it's also about what they give up at home in their own contracting business, and so part of the, um, I just want to say the hunger and the motivation in that is that we've known as a church in the location that we currently minister that properties are extremely expensive and extremely rare. Um, rarely does a building that could be suited for a church come on the market. When it does, it's taken up by a commercial entity almost immediately. So we know as a congregation, even though now we're meeting in the Clark Center, which is a a place it's the the center for performing arts so it's an incredible venue it's beautiful it'd be difficult to ever build something like that for a church so we're happy we're taken care of but we know that we're supposed to move into a building and so the way of the kingdom is you sow that you might reap amen so there's a little bit of a selfish motive for doing this too that that we we believe that as we sow and we're in the midst as a church of a vision offering so the finances for this will come through that and some special individual offerings but as well as we decided to sow into the churches in our community we're sowing out a number of places to help a startup church to help equipment with another new church but just believing that's the principle of the kingdom amen and we've proven that from the day that we were birthed 14 years ago, that the way forward is by sowing. You sow and then you reap. You sow and then you reap. And so uh, pray for us that you know, God will honor the seed as well. Amen? Could you do that? We know he will. And that isn't the only or even the main reason. It is out of fellowship. It's out of friendship. But it's about hearing the voice of the Lord saying, hey, go join with those guys. Add your faith. Give a boost. And um, that's how this all works. Amen. It's amazing kingdom. Just a side note, because um, this was one of the most profound moments that I can remember recently. Part of what I do is um, I'm also part of a, it's the Pontifical Council for Christian Unity. So I'm on a committee, a three-man committee that meets with the Vatican. And um, we first meet in Rome and we have a larger there's 40 from the New Charismatic Church side. There's 40 from the Roman Catholic side. We have four days of dialogue, and then a couple of us go and report to the committee. And one of the reasons, you know, after Vatican II, the Catholic Church started reaching out to all the branches of Christianity, and they wanted to establish a dialogue for the, for the sake of unity. It was John Paul II's vision. And so there's the Orthodox Church, there's the classical Pentecostal Church, there's numerous branches of Christian or Catholic churches they meet with. I think there's 23 different dialogues. 
But they recognized this phenomena in the earth that the fastest growing movement and also the most mobile and the most responsive to human need was this element that they called non-denominational charismatic churches. And it, from their standpoint, and they can observe things very scientifically with the worldview, obviously, right? So they said, we need a conversation with these guys. But they don't have a pope. They don't have a headquarters. They don't have a centralized theological seminary. So it's, how are we going to get a, a conversation that represents this global movement? So they, they went to Christ for the Nations in Dallas, Texas, and my friend was vice president at the time. And they said, you're the largest charismatic university. Do you have any theologians or people that can start a discussion with us? We want to understand who you are and your movement. And so long story made short, it, it turned into conversations since starting in 2001, going back, planning, et cetera. So we're in the Pontifical Council with the committee. And we're giving a report on this charismatic movement, what you guys would be classified in our study with new charismatic church. It's like charismatic movement plus, right? Am I talking too fast? Okay. Anyway, just to get to the point, we're in the room, and they're reviewing this movement, churches like this. How many know that you don't fit into a mold? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> that. Denominationally wise, structurally wise, hierarchy of teaching, theological conform, all the different matrix things that we don't fit into mold, yet it's the fastest growing, most effective movement. And the bishop that's overseeing that, all of a sudden he just stops and he looks in the room and sees the diversity and he said, how do you guys find each other? Because it's not by Catholic name. Or, he just said in like this, how do you find each other? And I said, by the Holy Spirit. And he went, of, co of course, of course, uh, of course, that's how you find each. But the idea that God is real and the Holy Spirit is real and he can set up a kingdom, amen, and he is setting up a kingdom by relationship, it's astonishing to the conventional mind, but we're in the middle of it, amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're in the middle of it. You are in the middle of what God's doing in his kingdom. And it's awesome to be part of that. And it's not a, it's not a dig on st uh, conventional structures or, de or denominations, but I know this prophetically from Scripture. I know this from a divine encounter in February 1997 from the Lord that he said in the days of these kings, Daniel's prophecy, and he, and he was the one that told Nebuchadnezzar, I see you as the head of gold, and then there's the breastplate, and then there's the thigh. And he laid out from this golden image or this giant image, he laid out successive kingdoms in the earth. All of those things have come to pass, just like he said in the visions that are recorded in the scriptures. And then he said one thing. He said, and in the time of those toes, in other words, the last kingdom, in the days of those ten kings, in the days of the last thing that I'm describing to you prophetically, he said, the God of heaven will set up his kingdom and there will not be another one to overtake it. That it will be like a giant rock. It will raise up. It will crush, grind, and pound or all others. Everything else is going to blow away and that will be established forever and ever and ever. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say you're part of something permanent. Amen. That should feel good. There's a lot of groanings and shakings as it happens because there is grinding, pounding. How many feel pounded on from sometimes? How many feel ground on at other times? Yep, it's all part of the process. But it's worth it, amen? He's taking us to something eternal. So 
Let's look. Um, I'll just open up with this scripture. By the way, I love that song. I see the world your way. I'm walking in the light. Amen. Who's, who did that song? Is the hill song? Hill, is that new? No, it's not new. Oh, shoot. We got to get that one. Yeah, I don't, and I may have heard it, but just there was a lot of life on that this morning. <laughs> Amen. How many know it's important to see the world his way? Yeah. yeah. And it comes from walking the light. Jeremiah 1, 9 through 10. And then we got a visual for this. It says, then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I've put my words in your mouth. See, I've set this day, I've set you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. So we have a video that's an illustration of that that took place just a couple days ago in front of the building. This is the... That was the oven or the air conditioning unit. That's the pull down, root out. And there we go. <laughs> out with the old, in with the new. Amen. And so we, we've got a commitment from James that he's going to come back behind and try and make the front look pretty again. Because <laughs> when we pulled the aprons off, we didn't realize that the... the, the, the <laughs> That's perfect. The, that was the eighth guy. When that thing fell on his head, he died. And we just all... <laughs> Bless him in the morgue, Lord. Bless him. But uh, that was the root up, tear down, and so we also about building and planting. But there, there's more cosmetic things to happen, and I guess they're going to pressure wash, so it's going to look pretty for those who are concerned that we made it uglier than we helped. <laughs> Amen. But then there's other plans for the front that you guys have that's going to all work together, so it's exciting. Amen. Anyway, the next part is to build and to plant. So um, Jesus used a lot of illustrations about planting about seed it's all through the parables Peter picked up on this in his epistle he said having been born again in first Peter 1 having been born again not of corruptible seed but incorruptible through the word of God which lives and abides forever amen so we're born again because of a seed that God put in our heart and that seed he said it's incorruptible and that's one thing I just will we'll look at this from this lens is that in our lives, how God designed us to grow up in the kingdom of God, grow up in understanding is this seed principle. But just establishing right up front, the problem's never in the seed. Amen. Just so we know, it's good seed. We have a friend who owns a giant ranch and hay, they plant hay and watch them go through several, several cycles of prepping, planting, harvesting, cutting, baling, because they support several hundred heads of cattle. And, and it's a process, but the seed is important. The seed, you know, that when they choose seed, it's very important. They pay high price for good hay seed that's developed for the, sake, or for the soil type and for the uh, environment type that we have. But in this case, the Word of God is considered the incorruptible seed. And so as you go forward and you think about what intent... 
does God have with that seed that he put in your life? Just know that the problem's never in the seed. Amen? It's incorruptible. So in Mark 4, 13, when Jesus was talking about the parable of the wheat and the tares, the parable of the sower, this whole concept of planting seed and putting it in our heart and it growing up, and the disciples were talking among themselves, and because he decided to start speaking in parables, there was questions like, what is this guy talking about? Rabbis at that time, whenever they would talk about God or the kingdom of heaven, it would be the prophet Isaiah said, the prophet Zechariah said. It was always reference to scriptures of the past and how they had been expounded. But Jesus was very much about illustrations. And so he started using these illustrations, the parable of the wheat and the tares, the parable of the sower. And he said to them at one point, he said, do you not understand this parable? How, thou, how then will you understand all the parables? So it's cool when you find something, you say, well, if I can unlock this, this is like a central truth to all the other things that he's talking about. How many get that? Like he said, if you don't understand this parable, then how are you going to understand all the other ones that I'm talking to you about? And so this is a key one. So consequently, we're just going to frame this under the title. And this isn't intended to be uh, derogatory to any of us, but we're just going to call this the kingdom of God for dummies. Amen. And nobody laughed. I'm sorry. Someone took it personally. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, do not be offended. He's talking to himself, too. Amen. <laughs> talking very much to myself, too. But when he says that this is the parable and this principle in this parable, if you get this, you understand the other way the kingdom works. And what I'm trying to tell you, Jesus is saying about the kingdom of heaven, then, then it makes it simple. So we go to Matthew 13, 36. And rather than going through the whole parable, we'll just go to how he explained it. How many love it when Jesus explains what he's talking about? Because <laughs> they are in parables. And he said the reason he talked to them in parables is seeing they wouldn't see, hearing they wouldn't hear or understand. And it seems kind of crazy that your, your mission is to reveal the Father in heaven, reveal the kingdom of heaven, talk about you know his mission, but then to say... And I'm going to do this, and I'm going to hide it in a parable. And so as he hides it in a parable, then they are wondering, what the heck does that mean? How many know that when you follow the Gospels, a lot of times the disciples are asking that, like, what's this about? Or what do you mean, Jesus? Or where are we going? And they dispute among themselves, what could he be talking about? But it's on purpose. It's hidden in parables because only those who will fish it out will get it. How many know the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure? Amen you got to dig for it. You have to ask. You have to seek. You have to knock. And, and so because it was important that the disciples understood this foundational principle, they said, Jesus, will you explain to us the parable? And so he did. He said, this is regarding the parable of the tares of the field. And he answered and said to them, he who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. But the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. And the reapers are the angels. Pretty simple, right? And all I'm talking about, he said, here's the players. Here's the characters. The sower is the son of man. But I like this. He said, the seeds are the sons of the kingdom. 
So when, when Peter says that we've been born again, by, not by corruptible, but an incorruptible seed, and we would all know that, you know, if we took a seed and we planted it in the ground, what we expect to see is a reproduction of where that seed came from. If it's a tomato or tomato, how do you say it? If it's one of those, you expect when you plant it, that's what's going to come up. That's the way God designed it. So the, the fruit of the seed is based on the DNA and the genetic code in the seed. When you plant it in the ground and you tend it, what you're going to get is a reproduction of actually what you had planted. Well, he said this, the sower is the son of man. The genetic code in the seed that he puts in humanity is that they would grow up as sons and daughters of the kingdom. So it's not just salvation, but there's something in the DNA that would cause us to grow up in his image and likeness. Amen? Like his full intention in the seed is that you and I would come into full maturity. And we would be like him in the earth. And we, we'd carry his mission. We'd have his DNA. As you know, in the beginning, in the garden, when he breathed in Adam and he became a living soul, he said, you're made in my image and likeness. I really believe the reason why he did it face to face and he breathed in him is so the minute that Adam's eyes opened and he began to blink and look up, he would see who he is. That's who I am. He's the face of Jesus reflecting in him. John said that's what's going to happen at the end. We're going to be like him. So it's in the DNA. It's the seed that Jesus, as the sower, puts in our hearts with the intention of bringing us up into full maturity. But he said that seed will produce the kingdom of heaven and sons of the kingdom. But he said there is an enemy that also sows seed. And he said those are the tares seed. And what the DNA code in that seed is that you would grow up as sons of the wicked one. Ouch, right? There's the competition. There's the contrast. Kingdom of darkness, kingdom of light, the, the, the warfare, the contention that we always feel. And he said the son of man is sowing seeds of the kingdom. The enemy is sowing seeds for tares. And then they said, well, you know, Lord, why don't we go and dig out all the tares? And he said, well, you can't do it. If you know, actually, we had pictures, you'd see that wheat and tares in the Palestine area, they look very much similar. But the interesting thing, I'm sure you've heard this before, that when tares continue to grow up, they continue with a stiff stalk and they just grow straight. The wheat, when they get a certain height, they lay over. And you think about the difference between, because in some ways he said, if you, t if you go after the wheat, you might get some of the tares. If you go after the tares, you might get some of the wheat. He just says, wait till the end. The angels will gather them. But you think about it at the end, like full maturity. What should that seed ultimately produce in me? Well, as I grow up, I should continue to bow. Amen. My expression is always going to be one of worship. No matter what happens of greatness or accomplishment, it's because of my connection to him. And I bow over, but pride stands straight up and takes credit. Amen. And that's the tares. That's what gets gathered and into the, into the you know, pile for burning. And the others are the ones that get gathered into the, the interior, God's intention for us for eternity. Amen. That got sober. Okay, Mark 4. The parable of the growing seed. The kingdom of heaven, as is a man, would scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself doesn't know how, for the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, and after that the full grain. So the idea is 
The seed's incorruptible. It's intended to do the work. And in this illustration, he said, it's like a man who, when the seed is planted, he goes to bed, he rises up, goes to bed, and it's coming up, but he doesn't know how. He can't, we don't produce life. It's in the seed. We can't produce the fruit. It's in the seed. So he's saying the kingdom of heaven's like that. Like the power is in the seed. The power is in God's design over a new creation. The power is that it's his grace. It's what he provides that really is what's motivating us to grow up. It's in the seed. He, he's got an identity. He has purpose. He's got eternal purpose. He's got eternal identity. All of these things in us that he puts in us in that incorruptible seed and, it, and just watches it. He said, it's my working. It's my doing. Paul talked about it's not I that labor, but the grace of God in me. That grace of God in us is connected to the DNA. It's what moves us. It's what motivates us. It's what gives us love for him. It creates passion. Like, apart from interference, all of us would grow up very smoothly unto God. We'd grow up with a love for him. We'd grow up for a passion for him. And because that's the process of the seed in us. But then Matthew 13 brings the other side of it. Again, Jesus is explaining his parables. And he said, Hear therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and doesn't understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. So here's the contrast again. The seed is good. The sower is good. And God sows seed of the kingdom. Words are seeds of the kingdom. Building into us the idea that he would have us come up into full fruition. But he, now again he introduces this. Because Jesus talked a lot more about the enemy than we do in modern church. And part of it is we don't want to give too much credit to the devil. But one thing we don't want to forget is you have an adversary and you have an enemy. Amen. That this doesn't just happen casually. It happens with intentionality. And he said, the sower sows the word, but the wicked one comes and snatches it. And he said, why is he able to come and take it so easily? Because it's not understood. Amen. That's why there's teachers in the body. That's why there's pastors in the church. That's why through, we're, we're called and encouraged to study and to meditate the word so that our mind comes in sync with what God's doing in, the, in our spirit and what he intends through our life. But the enemy's after that. So he has the ability, if we don't seek to understand, he comes and he grabs that. And he said, this is he who receives seed by the wayside. But he who received the, the seed on stony places, this is who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. I'm just going to read through it and we'll talk about it. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Verse 22 now he who receives seed among thorns is he who hears the word, cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. So in summary so far, the problem isn't in the sower, the problem is in the seed, the problem really isn't in the receiver. The problem is in the soil and the maintenance of the soil. So that's our part. God says what I put in has got DNA in it to produce new creations. 
Produce people who have a capacity for love. I take out a stony heart. He said, I put in a new heart. He gives you a new spirit so you have capacity to see the kingdom, understand the kingdom, enjoy the kingdom. So that's all built into us. He breathes in us all of this kingdom stuff that's for us and for our future. But our responsibility is maintaining the ground. Amen. Our responsibility is draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Resist the devil, and he'll flee. I have to resist the devil. I have to tend the ground, and the power of the kingdom is going to manifest in my life. The fruit of the kingdom, the fruit of the covenant to be a blessing, the fruit of the covenant, I give you power to make wealth, to establish my covenant. Those, that's in the DNA of the kingdom that he plants in, but I've got to guard the soil. Amen? I've got to keep the wicked one off. I have to do my part to try to understand. And so the, the first part was the wayside. And, you know, I can, Mike can tell you this. Any leader in the room can tell you this, that the reason why we would be pro-church and the reason why we have concern over people that are very casual about their relationship to the body of Christ is because of the principle of the wayside, is that if you're not connected, if you're not seeking to understand, and there's this constant dynamic that can be simply explained by the principle of the wheat and tares, that you see easily people who have collected lots of tares. And that you, you watch that and you think, that's by the wayside. It's like, this is never going to catch hold for them. Like, they're, they're only going to, they're not going to see, as the song says, they're not going to see the way God sees. It's always going to be a secular, kind of a carnal, sort of my will over God's will kind of a life. But it's super predictable. And it's, it's, it's very maintainable. It's, it's, it's in some ways a mystery, but it's really not. It's like, if you're not on the wayside, but you're on the path, and you're connected and things are being reinforced in your life concerning the kingdom, you're going to see the fruit of the kingdom. It really works. I've observed it for decades. It really works when people are working it. Amen? Awesome. And so I guess it's awesome. You can decide yourself. Uh, and then he says to receive the word with joy, but you also have to develop a root in yourself. So you're not easily offended by tribulation or persecution. I'm making points. You're supposed to make three points. I'm never good at pointing that out. But this is point number two for those that matters. And this is about having root in yourself so that you're not affected by the stony condition. And so he talks about, you know, that they receive the word with joy because it's exciting. And you, somebody tells you about what your potential is and and what God has for you and the, the language ever since Purpose Driven Life that Rick Warren put out. Last time I heard it was in, uh, there's 45 million copies sold in multiple languages. And uh, it really was revolutionary to the body of Christ to understand God has purpose. So that's exciting. Creates joy. God's got a purpose for your life. He knows you as an individual. And we, we sense that and that we d deliver that message. It creates great joy. But then he said, well, he, this is another thing about, you know, maintaining your heart is there's these things called stony places. Have you ever watched somebody walk on a stony path barefoot? And they're, they're going and, you know, it's ouch. I, I want to make sure I keep saying shoot. Be, ouch. Yeah, that because you, you know it's a stony place and it's uncomfortable. And he said that's how it can be. You receive it with joy, but these stony places are those places where offense comes 
And it's interesting, you would say, why didn't Jesus say, because they have no root in God, they are easily taken out by tribulation and persecution. It's one of those places where he said they don't have root in themselves. And, you know, Paul said, take heed to yourself and to the gospel. So there's this element of taking heed to yourself. What does it mean to have root in yourself? What does it mean that you have confidence of your ability to walk with God? The, the, the idea that the accuser of the brethren is always putting out shame because that's all he knows to do. He's a transmitter. Revelations 19 said he's a 24-7 transmitter of accusing the saints day and night. And when you pick up that frequency, it's like driving in your car. You're switching between channels. You've got Christian worship. You've got sports. You've got, but there's a frequency that the enemy's putting out 24-7. He's accusing. And if you find that frequency and you leave it on, you will be reminded over and over of your unworthiness. You'll be reminded over and over of all your past failures and your mistakes. You'll be reminded over and over why you can't do this and why it's too much for you. And, and you'll be reminded over and over. It's a frequency. It's his job. He's the devil, the dragon, the serpent of old. All those titles in one verse said he's known, I'll paraphrase, he's known throughout history with all of these titles. But John in his ultimate vision said, but this is his duty. He accuses the saints and he gets them to accuse each other. And he broadcasts to your own mind against your own heart. And so having root in yourself is something that you grow in. It's, it's a confidence. You, you overcome insecurities. You, and it's like in anything in life, where you build confidence is by getting little wins. Right? It, with Jesus, he said, do it a day at a time. That's what his advice was to the disciples. Every day is enough evil. Don't worry about tomorrow. Deal with today. You get a win for today. It's like, I'm going through the day, I'm going to meditate, I'm going to keep my mind on him, I'm going to grasp the promises of God, and so, and confidence comes by a re repetition of wins, repetition of wins, I can do this tomorrow because I did this today, and there's a, a confidence, there's a root that begins to grow, it gets, starts getting deep, like, I, I've proven the word of God. I've endured enough trials and testimonies. I've proven the word of God. I've proven the faithfulness of God. I've proven him as a provider. I've proven him as a healer. I've proven, proven him as the lover of my soul. I've proven him as a father through me to my children. And so there's a confidence. There's a, a root that's developed. So for me, like the idea of uh, being offended or a tribulation that comes or persecution it's a lot easier now than it was 30 years ago, 40 years ago. It's a lot easier because you, what's happened, there's a confidence, there's a root that's grown. But it's, it really goes, starts one victory at a time. One victory at a time. You, you kill the lion, then you kill the bear, and then you kill Goliath. Amen? Like, it's a victory at a time, rooting yourself. The idea of, for me, like, I've watched the vulnerability of offenses, Strong people with a strong confession, with strong vision, get offended. And it becomes a preoccupation. They can't shake it. So you can think about it as the offense. The accuser grabs hold of that and just rebroadcasts and rebroadcasts and rebroadcasts. And it goes from an offense to a stronghold. And it goes from a stronghold to a bitterness. And it goes from a bitterness to an isolation. 
And from an isolation, then there's judgment against the church, against people of the church, against the word of God. And people go from full-on believers to agnostic or worse. And it all started with an offense. Couldn't shake it. Became an obsession. Too painful to ask forgiveness. Just let it grow and grow. And it goes to a root of bitterness instead of a root of confidence. And it says that that'll spring up and defile many. It isn't worth it. Amen. Your destiny, your DNA is a full-blown son and daughter of the kingdom with eternal purpose, eternal glory, married with Jesus in the universe for eternal plans. Amen. You got to think about that so it becomes a motivation. Solomon said that God puts eternity in our heart. That's one thing I guard and that's one thing I feed. Like, this is surely working for me a far more exceeding weight of glory. Amen. Momentary light affliction is working a far more exceeding weight of glory. Eternity in my heart. Step over these things. Deal with pain. Deal with shortcomings. All this what? Eternity. This is all going to work out in eternity. Life doesn't make sense without an understanding of eternity. Young kids dying of leukemia, kids dying of just tragedy that can't be explained in the goodness and nature of God in today's circumstance. You just, the only way you can answer those things is eternal purpose, sovereignty of God. Nothing changes the fact that he's a loving heavenly father. Nothing changes the fact that God is for us and not against us. And you root yourself in those and you think from an eternal perspective and it helps you overcome injustice and things that are actually gone crazy on earth. Amen? Okay, wrapping up right now. We're almost wrapped up. One more scripture. Romans 5, 17. For it's by one man's offense. That's not on your scriptures back there. I put, put it in after. Because I think this is like... I'd, I'd say there's a handful of scriptures that I look at and I say the ingredient for a great life, success in the kingdom is in that concept. There's certain places that I would circle. This would be one of them. For if by one man's offense, death reigned through the one. Here it is. Much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So he, would, he wasn't even expounding, maintaining the soil. He wasn't even saying, here's your duty to maintain the... He, in this scripture, he throws it all on God. And I love it. He said, this is the way to reigning in life, R-E-I-G-N, reigning in life through Christ. You receive abundance of grace. It's being offered. Receive abundance of grace and receive the gift of righteousness. Both of those provided through by God, not human works, not earned. Reigning comes, receiving abundance of grace, unmerited favor, divine empowerment to stay in and to do the will of God. Just receive abundance of it. Father, pour out abundance of grace on this house. Father, pour out abundance of grace on every person that's struggling right now. Abundance of grace. Abundance of grace. Right now, let us see your strength and not ours. Right now, let us see your ability, not ours. Abundance of grace. Abundance of grace. Freely given to you, to us. We don't earn it. We receive it. It's a gift. 
Thank you for abundance of grace. Hey, thanks again for checking out Faith Church Online. We'd love it if you could subscribe to be notified when we release a new podcast. You can find out more of what's happening by going to at Faith Church Wales on social media or by heading to faithchurch.wales.